This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. But anyway, we like to call your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 4-13. And when you find them, would you please stand? Verse 4. Now there were various varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowered them all and every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit of utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gift of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles, and to another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish between Spirit and to another varied kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individual as he will. For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body through many are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all we are made to drink of one spirit. Let's pray. Father, we do come in the name of Jesus. and Once again, Lord, we want to look to you for enablement. We're dependent upon you, and we want to acknowledge that. We read words given to us in black and white and Yet, without Your Spirit, we cannot discern the truth here, Lord. We're too prone to misinterpret, to distort. So, Lord, um, we look to You and I ask that You enable me to speak and <clears throat> deliver the message here that You would have delivered. And I ask that You grant clarity and accuracy. And I ask for each of us here, Lord, that You open our understanding not only important for Your Word to be declared, it's important that it be heard and rightly understood. So that's what we ask for, Lord, and we pray that all of this be done in such a way and, and to, to the end that all glory and honor and praise be to You. We thank you again, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Appreciate that, David. Okay, Um, we I I tried to do kind of an overview last week of um, chapter twelve. So, so we basically you may be wondering why we're back here because we basically covered the whole chapter last week, but but there's a lot here. And uh, so I just tried to, to touch on some major points last week that um, um, 
I'll reiterate in a, minute, in a moment. Let me let me just say this. Um, I'm, I'm gonna we're gonna go through this section this morning again. Like I said, we read it last week and talked about it. Come at it a little bit differently uh, this time. Although I want to uh, again remind us of what I think is Paul's main purpose here. Um, and, and we're going to try again to make this distinction as we as we move. Uh, we do this always, hopefully, but especially when you get to these difficult passages uh, like what we're faced with now in, in the next few chapters. Um, I, I want to. It makes me want to emphasize it. We, we're going to try to make this distinction between what we know and what we don't know. Some things are clearly given to us in Scripture, and other things are not so clear. I mean, let's just face it. Um, sometimes, apparently, the writers of Scripture have assumptions in their mind that their readers understand. Now, what I mean by that is this. Paul, in this case, is writing to the Corinthian believers. And he's dealing with subjects that they have had discussions about. This, this is continued dialogue. And we talk quite a bit about that. Um, so there are some, and plus, you know, he's making references to practices within their church that you and I don't have a, a DVD of so that we can go back and see exactly what they were doing, right? Um, so he, so he gives, um, instruction and principles for right behavior. Um, and he alludes to things that he assumes they understand he's, what he's talking about. And, and it's not always clear for us, but we're going to, like I said, we'll try to be honest when we get to, the, to those, when we deal with those things and make that distinction between what we know, which I think is, um, are the most important things, and what we don't know, which um, are those things that are less important or penultimate. Um, so we'll try to do that as we go. Our purpose um, in dealing with this passage is going to be, uh, again, what I think is the purpose of Paul uh, in dealing with the gifts, spiritual gifts or manifestations of the Spirit, um, as I told you last week I prefer to call them, according to verse 7, is not going to be to define them or describe them, but to hone in on what, what Paul focuses on, which is that they are diverse manifestations, but all have the same source. And so it's, 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 these are ways in which the body operates, um, but it's all manifestations of the Spirit of God, the one Holy Spirit. Now, what, what is um, important about that is Paul is saying that you are come together as a body, just like we are this morning. He's, he's talking about what the Corinthians did in their public worship. You are, you are come together as a body assembled for... A purpose. Yes, to worship and also to edify one another. So, so he's, he's again um, answering you know, them for, because of all these different schisms and, and um, unfounded preferences within the church. And we've talked quite a bit about that. And also just outright sin. And these, these are things that he's, he's answering back to. We, I did mention last week, I want to make note of this again as well. What he's primarily dealing with here, I think, um, is, and this will be, we'll be a little bit less focused on this this morning, although I want it to be, you know, right there in our minds so that we don't forget it. What he, what he's, what I think his main thought is here is 
what real genuine spirituality is. Because the Corinthians are making this claim of being the spiritual ones. The pneumatics or uh, the, the pneumatica in the Greek. Um, and the charismata, you know, those that are gifted. It's where we get our word charismatic. So Paul is, has you know, heard all these different reports, negative reports, things going on. He's received questions from the church uh, themselves in previous uh, correspondence. And he's answering those things as well. And he's describing to them who they really are in Christ. This is, I'm going back. This is all the way from chapter 1 on. Who they really are in Christ and what it really means to be spiritual. Because this is where their thinking is really uh, messed up. And they're focusing on wrong things and have wrong ideas about what it means um, to, to be spiritual, to live the spiritual life. And so we've, we've talked quite a bit about that. So I just want to remind us uh, of it this morning. So, it'll, again, it will be in the forefronts of our minds. Now, let me give you a, just a brief recap on what we did last Sunday. We'll have that in mind as well. The, the main problem in this particular text, that is chapter, chapter um, it's actually going to be chapters 12 through 14, is the manifestation, uh, what I call here the manifestation problem, manifestation of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, what we commonly refer to as the gifts of the Spirit. There's, there are problems here again with the Corinthian believers, believe it or not, and how they are um, exercising, how they're using and what uh, the gifts of the Spirit and what their attitude toward them is. Now, I mentioned a moment ago, you're going to hear me use both terms, gifts and manifestations, but my preference is definitely manifestations because I, I want us to understand them that way. In other words, these are not gifts that the Holy Spirit gives separate and apart from Himself. Like, like if I handed you this, uh, you know, this flower arrangement here and said, here, this is yours. That's not part of me. It's something separate from me. These are not these gifts, quote unquote, are not something apart from and separate from the Holy Spirit. These are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So when you when you see these terms, and we'll, Lord willing, we'll talk more about them as we go. Probably uh, as as far as the uh, the individual manifestations themselves, um, we'll try to get into some tonight. But when you see this. The, uh, the references here to things like utterances of wisdom, utterances of knowledge, gifts of healings, and so forth. These are manifestations of the Holy Spirit in individuals within the local congregation. Okay, So we're talking about how the Spirit Himself works in individual believers for the edification of the whole body. And that's the purpose behind it. So, that was our first point last week, the manifestation problem. And then we talked about, um, from, from uh, verse 2 uh, and 3 there, how experience is not enough. And again, what we had in mind there is, is uh, what defines being spiritual, real, genuine spirituality. Is it just having an experience, like an ecstatic experience? Or, you know, some kind of... Um, some kind of religious or, you know, emotional, maybe I should say, emotional release, peaceful feeling, burden lifted, something like that. And all of a sudden, you know, we, 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 we look back at that and we put our assurance in that and we talk about that experience. And is experience enough? 
No, I think Paul is saying no. And he, he, he alludes to that in verses 2 and 3, um, looking to their pagan past. They were having experiences, even ecstatic experiences, which they considered to be a mark of spirituality. They were having ecstatic experiences in their pagan worship. And it would seem by what uh, Paul implies here, you know, even doing things like uh, calling Jesus accursed. And his point is that is obviously not of the Spirit of God, though it may be, may have been a genuine experience. And so every experience is not the work of God. Okay? And then he goes on to uh, just kind of sum up, you know, what is the work of God is submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's the end of verse 3. No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, we explained that last week. Um, I don't think he just means they're saying the words. He's talking about genuine submission to Christ. You can have true experiences apart from Christ, though they're not spiritual in the sense of being godly, connected to the Holy Spirit. And... Only a person uh, who is spiritual, or we could say born again, regenerated by the power of God, only that person can live in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, say, Jesus is Lord. So, is experience enough? Experience is not enough. No, it's not. And then, genuine spirituality, which I, I just alluded to this. Genuine spirituality was our, uh, this was our last point last Sunday morning. Genuine spirituality is accompanied by submission to the Lordship of Jesus. So it's not, it's, it's not experience that defines it. It is submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in, in every area. And then Sunday night, um, we basically had uh, four points that we dealt with. Uh, the first being, uh, I mentioned earlier, the gifts, quote-unquote, are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. The gifts are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Everything he refers to here. Um, are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And number two, from last Sunday night, the purpose of the manifestations of the Spirit is the pursuit of the common good. Let me say that another way. The, the purpose and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit within the local body is the edification of the whole of the body. That's the main purpose. That's the primary purpose. Not the only purpose. I've heard a lot of preachers, a lot of preachers say that, um, you know, this is one thing that distinguishes the work of the Spirit. Um, from something false, is that people that are all you know given over to something false are all concerned about self-edification. And the work of the Spirit is only directed toward the edification of the body as a whole. Well, I disagree with that. I think it does both of those things. It, it, the work of the Spirit is it has those dual purpose, that dual purpose, self-edification and edification of the body as a whole. Now, certainly... When you come together, and when we come together, just like we are right now as an assembly, what should be our primary concern? The edification of the body as a whole, right? This is not about me. We come together. It's about it's about the whole body being edified. So, and that is the context he's he's speaking to in these next few chapters. He's talking about the local worship gathering assembly. Uh, our third point last Sunday night was God is sovereign in the distribution of the gifts, quote-unquote, or the manifestations of the Spirit. God is sovereign. That is, the Holy Spirit determines who will do what. 
God is sovereign. That's from verse 11. God is sovereign in the distribution of the manifestations of the Spirit. So, um, verse 7 says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then verse 11 says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. So, anytime, keep that in mind, anytime somebody tells you that you ought to have some particular gift or manifestation of the Holy Spirit in your life, I mean, they see that it's not there, and every Christian ought to have this manifestation of the Spirit, keep that in mind. The Holy Spirit distributes as He wills. It's not, in fact, we're going to see uh, as we go on that everybody does not have the same gift or manifestation of the Spirit. And so all of these things, um, Paul says in verse 25, should, should lead to um, there being no division. If anyone, uh, I'm sorry, verse 25, that there may be no schism in the body. God has designed us as individuals to work together for each other's good that's why he uses the, the analogy of a body. You know, you're, you've got different members, but it's one body. And the different members work differently, but they make up the whole. And, and they work together for the good of the whole. And so, the, design, the way God has designed things is that we come together corporately, um, working together for each other's good um, as a unit. All right, unified. So, not uniform, but unified. All right, so we don't all have to, you know, wear the same shirts and the same slacks and and wear the same haircut and all that kind of thing. It's, it's not uniformity. It's unity in and by the Spirit of God. All right, so um, there should be no divisions, no schisms. And that word schism, we we talked about that earlier when we were in first three chapters. But that, that word schism uh, means like a, a rent or a tear. So if you think of a, of a garment that has a tear in it, that's how Paul's describing the church at Corinth. You, you, there are divisions among you, tears, rents. And he's saying it should not. He's saying here in verse 25 that it should not be that way. God has designed the church, the body, in such a way that it not be that way. All right. So <clears throat> now we pick up in chapter 4 this morning. And we're going to be talking about uh, that very thing, diversity within unity. Diversity, or you could say variety. I like that word, variety within unity. You know, I, I remember when I was growing up, um, um, Baskin-Robbins used to advertise 31 flavors. That just seemed like a lot, didn't it? And you just, I, variety. <laughs> and everybody likes variety. That's kind of a small number today. I mean, you think about the choices of channels. You know, back then we had choice of three channels on TV, and so I mean, you know, 31 sounded like a big number. And today you got on TV, you got hundreds of, of channels, right? Probably, and uh, uh, but still, people like variety, and, and it sells. Well, I, there's some legitimacy to that, I think, because God Himself is interested in variety, diversity. That's the way He's created things. When He created trees, you know, for example, and plants to, to create the oxygen that we need, 
He didn't just make one. I mean, there's not just one type of flower out there. He could have. He could have done that. He could have just made one and put them all across the globe. Could have made one tree and just covered one kind of tree, you know, just had maybe, maybe a pine tree or maybe an oak and just, just had that one type of tree around the whole globe to provide the oxygen that we need. But he didn't. He put a variety. And you see that from the start in the Garden of Eden. There were all manner of trees within the Garden of Eden. And the, the, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? The, the, that Adam and Eve, and of course we, that we would have done the same thing, but that Adam and Eve would, would want the one tree that they were forbidden to eat from when they had such variety. God had provided variety. And it's, that, that in itself is an amazing. Just, just the grace of God in giving us the beauty, the diversity, the variety that He has given us in creation. Now, that is also true in the church. In other words, this, this is the nature of the church. It, it is made up of a, of a variety. Now, here, he's specifically talking um, about gifts or manifestations of the Spirit. But you notice when you get down to verses 12 and 13, he also brings into it um, ethnicity and social standing. Verse 13. In one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, and that, and that covers everybody because to the Jews, and you know, Paul's coming from the Jewish mindset, you're either a Jew or a Greek. In other words, a Jew or a non-Jew, that, that, that just means everybody. You're a Jew or somebody else. So, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. So he's saying whatever your ethnicity, whatever your social status, you're united if you're truly a part of the church. That is, if you're born again, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, you're united by the one Spirit. Now, let's go back to four, because I want to show, I think Paul is putting real emphasis on this, and I really wish I had a, like a, a, a projector or something here to, to put this in chart form, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to describe it to you that way. Hopefully you can kind of visualize it in your, in your mind. So, so just think this way, two, two categories, diversity and unity, okay? Diversity and unity. Or you can use variety if you want. Variety and unity. Those two categories. This is the way Paul unpacks uh, this um, argument concerning the manifestations of the Spirit. Now, verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts. Okay? Put that under the column of diversity. There are varieties of gifts but the same Spirit. Put that under the column of unity. Or, you know, the idea is here, there are a variety of gifts, but one source, right? Okay, verse 5. And there are varieties of service. Put that under the category of diversity. Varieties of service. But the same Lord. Put that under the category of unity. Do you see the pattern here? Verse 6, and there are varieties of activities or workings is what the word is there. Um, where we, the, the word from which we get our word energy. There are varieties of activities. Put that under the column of diversity. There are all kinds of different activity, all kinds of different workings out there in the church. But it's the same God. So put that under the column of unity. So... Just to 
back up, uh, recap for real quick. Uh, varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Varieties of service, but the same Lord. Varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in every one. Now, verse 7. Pattern continues. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. To each. Put that under the category of diversity. Because he has in mind there, you know, all the different people. And to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. For the common good. Under the category of unity. Verse 8. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. So there, you know, you've got a particular gift mentioned. That's diversity. But it was through the same Spirit. Through the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So unity. And to another, the utterance of knowledge. There's another manifestation of the Spirit mentioned. So that's, that goes under diversity. According to the same Spirit. So that goes under unity. To another, faith. By the same Spirit. So you got the pattern by now, right? It's diversity, unity. Diversity, unity. There are many manifestations of the Spirit, and he's giving examples, but it's the same Spirit. Are there for the common good or something to that effect? In verse 9, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. So again, you've got diversity and unity. To another, the working of miracles. Now he's going to give a, a, a list of different manifestations of the Spirit and then sum it up by saying it's all the same Spirit. So verse 10, to another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. All those go under the diversity column. And then verse 11 says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit. There's the unity. That goes under the unity column. Who apportions to each one individually as He wills. And and that continues on. Verse 12, the body is one. It has many members. So the members are the diversity, but one body. There's the unity. And all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So there again, you've got the diversity and the unity. For in one spirit, unity, we were all baptized into one body, so we're, we're the all, right? In one spirit, unity, we were all baptized. There's the diversity. And then he spells that out. Um, it's not just a certain type of people. It's Jews, Greeks, slaves, free. All were made to drink of the one spirit. It goes under the column of unity again. So you see the you see the pattern there: diversity with unity. Now he's given us here a partial list of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit within the congregation. Um, I mentioned a moment ago, and I'm going to reset here. Um, we may talk. I think, in fact, I think we will discuss a little bit tonight about what each one means and and that'll give you, you know, opportunity to ask a question and me opportunity to say I don't know. <clears throat> but um <laughs> because well, we probably will talk talk about some possibilities, but again, I'm going to we're going to be clear about what we know and what we don't know. All right? Now, there and I mentioned a second ago, this, this is, I believe, a partial list. Paul gives other lists as well. Uh, so th- this list is not all-inclusive. That's not his intention here. He doesn't define them. 
Um, there is some disagreement, I guess you could say, as um, to whether he's talking about supernatural manifestations of the Spirit here, um, which, by the way, I would be inclined to lean toward that view. Or is he just talking about um, what we would think of as common, um, not supernatural, just, just natural um, ways in which um, the Spirit has gifted believers? I th- both are definitely included, I think. In other words, I, I think you, we can consider natural abilities, what we, what we term as natural abilities, to still be gifts, God-given gifts for the edification of the body as well as supernatural. Now, I do think this list, he's primarily talking about um, supernatural gifts. Um, and, you know, maybe we can discuss that some as well. There are different opinions, you know, as to whether, um, whether or not these things are still intended to be included in the church life today if they are supernatural gifts. There's the cessationist view which says that all of these supernatural gifts are done away with the times of the apostles and the continuationist view that says that, you know, they're still happening in the church today. Well, again, with it, hopefully without being too ambiguous, and I'll have to uh, spend more time on it tonight, but I'm not, I'm not a cessationist. I mean, I think I can safely say that. You know, I, I don't find anywhere in the Scripture that says that supernatural gifts are gone with the era of the apostles. Now, does that mean that they're commonly operating in the churches today? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. And again, maybe we can discuss that more tonight. But, but I do not hold to the cessationist view. Um, because, I, you know, I just don't see it. But with all that said, and like I say, maybe we can discuss that a little bit tonight. But with all that said, it's not Paul's intention here. And even if we talk about some of these things tonight in particulars, Let's make sure we understand up front, Paul is not defining these things. That's not even what he's, where he's going here. He's not saying, okay, now, here's, here's the gift of prophecy, and here's how it works, and here's how you recognize it, here's how you operate in it, here's what it looks like, um, and then you've got, you know, step one, two, three, and for, you know, operating the gift of prophecy, and step one, two, three, for judging, and so He's not doing that at all. There is tremendous instruction in these next few chapters um, just by what's implied from what he does tell us. But his objective here, this is not a treatment of supernatural gifts, how to know them, how to recognize them, so on and so forth. What he is saying here is there should be no divisions in the church. God has made you in such a way that you should work in harmony. Because every manifestation of the Spirit, whatever it is that is operating in your assembly, has the same source. So this business of, I'm of Paul, and I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Cephas, Paul is saying, is wrong. It's creating schisms in the body that should not be there. You're different, not because some are superior to others, You're different because that's the way God has designed things for the good of the church. I I will benefit from you in the ways that you are different from me. 
even personality-wise, but, but also certainly um, in regard to how the Spirit manifests Himself. And, Lord willing, you know, it's the same the other way around. You, you will benefit from me in the ways that God manifests His, His Self through me. We're, we are designed to work as a, as a body, just like uh, my hand, you know, hopefully cooperates with my eye. You know, I'm not just constantly punching myself in the eye. It, it, they cooperate. Two members of the body that cooperate. So if I get something in my eye, my, you know, I can use my hand or my fingers to try to remove it. It helps the eye. So, that's Paul's point. It, it's, it's not a, a, a treatment of spiritual gifts per se. He's just saying what it really means to be spiritual is to, to live in every aspect of your life, to live in submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And one way, one very significant way that that plays out is that you, you realize you are not an island to yourself. That you need the other members of the body. And he'll talk more about that uh, you know, down in 14 and, and so on. You know, the, the foot, um, he says in, in verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. I mean, you can't just de- declare yourself something separate. If it's, if it's really the Spirit of God that is at work in you, then you're part of a whole, the body of Christ. All right, so um, so I'm not going to get into the descriptions now. I just I just want to say there are varieties of manifestations of the Spirit. There there is diversity in how the Spirit works in the local congregation. And keep that in mind, because because Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. So we're not just talking about the the church as a whole. We're talking about in the local body. Um, this, this is how the body is designed. And all of these different manifestations, and here's the key, that, um, you know, the, the important thing that Paul's getting at, all of these different manifestations are the working of the same Spirit. Now, I want to quickly do two other things. We're running low on time, but... Um, I, I want to make sure I don't miss these. I know I spent a lot of time on that. Um, this, this to me, um, this, this to me is, is, is really important. I was, I was talking a minute ago about the, the nature of God in creating variety in creation. And it's just diversity. It's part of God's nature. It's something that we, we ought to, to value. Now, we see an example of that in verse 13. So, for example, the church, and I think this is to be true of most any church. There are some reasonable exceptions, but uh, most any church should have people who look different in it. See, because it's made up of Jews and Greeks. In other words, there should be a diversity of ethnicity, ethnic groups. Um, if let me say it this way, because when I said there there are some reasonable um, exceptions, here's what I mean. 
if, if we are in a geographic area where there is a diversity of ethnic groups, then the church should reflect that. If it doesn't, there's something really strange going on. A reasonable exception would be when you're, when you're in an area where there's not diversity of ethnic groups. I was listening to a uh, Bodie Bachman. He's a, uh, I think I got his last name right, but he's a pretty well-known uh, Reformed Baptist pastor, African-American pastor, I think, down in Texas. Pa- pastors a, uh, a large church, um, mega church, you know, we'd say. And it's, it's predominantly white church that he's a pastor of. But he was telling the story about, you know, he was visiting a church in an area. I don't even know where it was. But he's riding along in the car with this white pastor of this local church. And the the pastor of that church begins to express this concern. He says to him, you know, our, our church... He said, I really have a burden. We all look the same. You know, in other words, it's all like middle class whites in this particular area. And uh, he, he said, how do I, how do I what, what are some ways that I can reach people who are different from us, that we can reach out to people that are different from us? What's like? And Bodie Bachman, again, an African-American pastor, he, he said, as we're driving, he said, I'm looking around in the little town where we're at. And he said, I turned to him and said, just where do you think you're going to find these people that look different than you do? Because <laughs> they were in a geographic area where there was not ethnic diversity. So, essentially what he was saying, it's, it's not a problem that you should be concerned with. It's not a problem here. You shouldn't be concerned with it. This is the way your area is. But, on the other hand, if um, the geographic area uh, has ethnic diversity, and certainly that's the case in our area, then the, then the church should as well. It's part of, and here's what I'm getting to, not just the ethnicity, but also the manifestation of, of uh, the manifestations like we were talking about a moment ago, and also social status. It is part of reflecting the very nature of God. Say, that might be overstating it a little bit, but I don't think so. Look again at verse 4. This is Paul's point. Remember our, our uh, virtual diagram, <laughs> the two columns? Diversity, unity. Diversity, unity. Now, look at how he starts out this list. Verse 4. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Spirit. He doesn't use Spirit, does he? He uses the term kurios, Lord. The same Lord. Verse 6. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God. He's referencing the Trinity. He's referencing the Godhead. Spirit, Lord, that's Jesus. Spirit, God the Son, Lord. That's that is you know, the most probably the most common term in the New Testament for Jesus. I, I forget how many times it's used, but usually when you see the term Lord, it's a reference to Jesus, Spirit, Lord, God. And usually in the New Testament, when you see the the term, uh, it's the Greek word Theos is translated God, 
That is basically uh, represents the Old Testament uh, Hebrew word Elohim. So uh, God means God the Father usually in the New Testament. You see a, a similar thing in First Peter chapter one in terms of our salvation, where Peter talks about the role of the Father and of the Son and of the Spirit in saving us. So Paul references here the three persons of the Godhead. And, and I think, and I, I don't want to you know, make too much of this, but I, I think he even hints at some of the distinct, distinctives in how they operate and how the three persons of the Godhead fulfill the role of each. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Now, we already read through this chapter, so as we move through this chapter, and chapter uh, all the way through chapter 14, who is, who is it that Paul is saying the gifts are manifestations of? The Spirit. The Holy Spirit, right? They're, so, he's, he's saying here, he's implying here, it is the Spirit who is the gift giver. That is, it is the Spirit who manifests Himself in the individuals in the local body. So, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service. Service, that's the word from which we get our word deacon. Who does that make you think of? Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And it's the same word. You see, it's the word from which we get our word deacon, um, diakonos. So, there are varieties of gifts, same Spirit. There are varieties of service, the same Lord, Jesus. God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. And there are varieties of activities. I mentioned a moment ago, as the word, uh, he uses it twice here, from which we get our word energy. Um, so the idea of energizer, you know, he, I, it helps me. I mean, you can think of the energizer bunny here. Um, you know, because it's providing energy, right? So we're energized by God. In fact, he says again in verse 6, there are varieties of workings or activities, but it is the same God. And here's, he uses the same word here in the ESV. It's translated empowers. It is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. So, God works, the Spirit gives, Jesus serves. So, the diversity within the church, all these different manifestations of the Spirit, the different ethnic groups, the different social classes, the diversity in the church didn't, didn't happen by chance. It's God's design. It's just like, it's just like the, the multiplicity of, of flowers and trees in the Garden of Eden and then today around the world. Didn't happen by chance. It's variety. And it, and it reflects the very nature of the Godhead. God likes diversity. And yet, all of this diversity 
is unified in Him. Now, real quick, before we have to dismiss, and I am going to try to move through this quickly, so if you have questions about this, we'll try to get to them tonight. Um, but, I, but I did not want to pass over this verse without mentioning this. Now, let, let me go back to our main thought for a minute. What, what, is it, what does it mean to be spiritual? Genuine spirituality. That, 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 is, that is key here. We're talking about diversity within unity this morning. But what is it that, that provides the unity? It's the Spirit of God in all of us. Right? There are many manifestations of the Spirit of God. Many manifestations, but it's one Spirit. All these, verse 11, are empowered by one and the same Spirit. So, what does it mean to be spiritual? It means to have the Spirit of God in you. Or, let me say it another way. It means to be baptized in the Spirit. Now, this is why I didn't want to pass this up without at least mentioning it. Um, it's another very controversial um, concept in our day. Let me, let me just give this little... Uh, say this first. What Paul is going to say, his argument is going to be, argument is going to be, um, number one, you're all spiritual because you have the Spirit of God. Consistent with what he says in Romans 8, too. You don't have the Spirit of Christ, you're none of His. So, when we talked a great deal about that, so I'm going to be short on that. But you're all spiritual because you have the Spirit of God. If, if indeed you truly have the Spirit, that's what makes you spiritual. Now, the way he's going to bring it out here is, he's going to say that you've all been baptized in the Spirit. This, this in, in his argument in chapter 12, he's saying this is the unifying factor. There are many manifestations, but one Spirit. You've all been baptized in the same Spirit. Now, he's not talking about a special class. In fact, that is the very thing Paul is coming against throughout this epistle. You're not a special class of Christian. If you are a Christian, you are spiritual. Or again, to use his terminology in Romans, you're in the Spirit. Not in the flesh. And so, another way of... He's saying it here. If you are a Christian, then you have been baptized in the Spirit. His, his point for that here is to say that is... The one source. He is the one source of all the manifestations of the Spirit. He is the one unifying factor for all the different ethnic groups, social classes, etc. For just, verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the many members of the body, though many, are one, one body, so it is with Christ. Now here, here it is, verse 13. For in one Spirit... We were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. Now, it is common today to say that some people have been baptized in the Spirit, some Christians, and others have not. Or, a distinction is often made this way. You can be baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ, which they say is what, which is what Paul is talking about here, and that's true. Or you can be baptized in the Spirit, which is what John the Baptist was referring to and what Jesus was referring to in the Gospels. 
And so they make that distinction between being baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ or being baptized in the Spirit. Now, what I want to do in these last couple minutes is um, try to show that that is a fallacy. And here's why. Because Paul uses virtually, I mean, it is almost identical language as what John the Baptist uses and what Jesus uses. Here, here are the passages, and if you've got questions on them, we'll look closer at it tonight. Matthew 3.11 I indeed baptize you with water. This is John the Baptist. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, the ESV says with. With the Holy Spirit and fire. That word with is the Greek preposition in. If you wrote it using our uh, letters, it would look like E-N. Epsilon nu looks like E-N. In the Holy Spirit and fire. Mark 8, you have the same thing. Mark 1, I'm sorry, Mark 1, 8. I indeed baptize you with water, but He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Again, the word translated with is the Greek preposition in. In pneumati, in the Spirit. Alright? Same thing. Luke 3.16 John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Once again, the ESV translates it with, it is the Greek preposition in. In pneumati, the exact same language. In the Holy Spirit. Right? Now, what about where we're at? 1 Corinthians. Because this, this is the one that they usually say is worded different. Because it is translated differently. For by one Spirit, verse 13, for by one Spirit, or in one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. And I think the uh, King James does use the translate it by by and maybe some others do as well, um, but again it is the same Greek preposition in in pneumati. The only thing different here is that he adds the word one by one or in one spirit. The baptism is in the spirit in every one of those cases. So, the reason I point that out, so what I'm suggesting is, every one of those is talking about a salvation experience. John says, I baptize with water. Water doesn't save you. But He's going to baptize you in the Spirit. Now, that's salvation. That's regeneration. And that's what Paul is saying. Every one of you, every one of you believers have been baptized in the Spirit. So you see what he's saying? Now, Paul's point is to destroy the schisms. He's, he's saying God has designed you in such a way that, that you, you work in harmony and that you complement one another. And he wants them to realize that all of their diverse manifestations, all of the different gifts that they have, and you know, some they esteem above others wrongly, 
And they, they esteem each other, you know, one person above another because of the gifts that they have. And Paul wants them to see that all of the different manifestations or gifts are the working of the same Spirit. And that all of the believers, regardless of what gift they have, regardless of what their ethnicity is, regardless of what social class they are a part of, are joined together in one body by the one Spirit that every single one of them has been baptized in. So, I'll just close with this. First, just a question. Are, are you and I... I mean, is this our mindset when we come together? Are you and I seeking the good of all when we come together for worship? Now, in anything we do, really, but especially when we come together for worship. Not... I don't know how many times over the years I've had people say to me, um, you know, that, that they, they left the church or something. And this is not always wrong, by the way. But this is just a one I hear commonly. You know, I left there because I wasn't getting fed. And I wonder sometimes if they had that same concern about everybody else getting fed. In other words, were they working for the good of the whole body as well? Or were they just going there to see what they could get out of it? Now, by the way, as I said, sometimes that's a very legitimate concern and a legitimate reason to go. So I'm not, I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying those thoughts come to my mind because I, I know how I work and I know how selfish I am. So are we, are we actively seeking the common good? The good of all. Or to say it another way, the edification of all of our brothers and sisters in Christ. As for believers, now here's a question for unbelievers, in case there are any in the room this morning, or those that may not be certain. It's just simply this. Are, are you in the body? Is, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Have you been regenerated by the power of God? Does the Spirit of God dwell in you? If the Spirit of God dwells in you, you're in the Spirit. You're spiritual. You're a saint, a holy one. Part of the redeemed. Part of the church. But if the Spirit of Christ is not in you, you are none of His. doesn't matter how often you go to church. doesn't matter how many good deeds you do. It doesn't... Matter, you know, what, what morals you hold to? Doesn't matter where your church membership is or isn't. The question is, have you encountered the living God? Have you been born again? Have you been baptized in the Spirit? Is the Spirit of Christ dwelling and working in you? See, they were, they were confusing spirituality with, with all these things that they were doing. And stuff. Ritual. Ceremony. Morals. Paul saying, no, 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 no. 
what, what unifies us, what makes us spiritual is the same thing that unifies us. It's, it's being a part of the body of Christ. The only way you're a part of the body of Christ is if you've been brought into it by the Holy Spirit. If you've been baptized in the Spirit into the body of Christ. Now, all of these other things, gifts of the Spirit, manifestations of the Spirit, order of service, you know, how things work out in a public worship service, all those things are interesting and they're good. They're good for us to study. They're important. But the most important issue for every person in this room this morning is whether or not the Spirit of God dwells in you or I. Would you stand, please? I just ask you as we close with a word of prayer to examine your own heart. And uh, if, if that's a question you cannot answer with certainty, then I urge you to cry out to God and seek the Lord for the right answer. Because He does know. And if you have any questions along those lines, please um, don't leave here without uh, letting us attempt to answer them. Where you stand with Jesus Christ is the most important issue you will face in your whole life and in eternity. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank You for Your Word. We pray that You grant understanding of these passages and enable us to apply these things rightly as a a body, as a church, and also in our own individual lives that we will know how to walk through this world in such a way that uh, is pleasing to You, brings glory and honor to You, and that we will spend uh, our days here seeking to know You better learning to love You more as You conform us to the image of Your Son. May it all be for Your honor and glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.